Thanks, guys. Uh, while, while they're walking around, I'm just going to get uh, Colin up. You mentioned, Colin's name has been mentioned before today by Ricky. So those who are wondering who Colin is and don't know, this is him. Woo, look at him. <laughs> now he's bringing up his grandson. But I don't know if you remember last week, if you were here, you would have heard um, Josiah, who got baptised last week, talking about someone... <laughs> okay, Josiah. Talking about someone who had an impact on, on his life. And I just want to hear the other side of that story. Colin. Where do I start? <laughs> I don't know. What, what, how, how come you connected with, with him, I guess? Okay. Um, as you probably know, I've got four... Well, I had four children. And um, my oldest boy was doing his apprenticeship up here and he had to finish his apprenticeship in Adelaide. And he was 17 and he had to drive down to Adelaide, find himself accommodation um, on, a, on a very small wage as a, a third year apprentice. And we encouraged him. He used to always come to church and was part of the fellowship in, in Darwin here. And he got down there and he, um, we encouraged him to go to the local church where he was, uh, had found some accommodation. And he went there and we said, we'd ring him up and say, how'd it go? And he'd say, no one talked to me. And so we encouraged him to keep on going back, and he did. He kept on going back and back, and still no one took him under their wing and um, encouraged him in his Christian walk. And then, because he was so short of money and the company was offering overtime on Sundays, he took it. And so then he just worked every Sunday. And so he never, ever got to church down there up apart from the first few times he went down. And that really disturbed us. Uh, Dorothy and I really prayed about it and really wanted to encourage him to keep on going, but he just felt that he just needed the, the money to survive, which he did. He was struggling to make ends meet. And so from... He, he never basically went back to church ever again. And he married an, a non-Christian girl and they never, very rarely went to church. So it was a real eye-opener for Dorothy and I. We thought, well, if that happens to our son, how many other young people does that happen to? So Dorothy and I make a point, if when we can and to try to encourage young people who come into the church to feel part of the fellowship and to um, continue to come um, because we know it's hard. It's hard for young people these days to be committed to their local fellowship and without the encouragement of others. So, and that's the same with all of us we don't have the encouragement of others, it's easy to slip away and 
um, not be part of the fellowship. So that, that's probably <laughs> why jo Josiah got us hounding him, if you want to call it that. Um, when we spotted him there on his own, we thought, oops, there's a young fellow there. He doesn't seem to have any friends here. Let's encourage him to continue to come back. And that's, that's what we try to do. We, we obviously don't do it all the time and we obviously fail, but we believe that that's what God wants us to do. Mm. That's nice. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just love that story, obviously having kids as well, growing up kids that went away and the same thing sort of happened a little bit to them. So, well, why don't we just take a, a minute to pray for kids, our young people in your family. Father, I just want to thank you for your love. And Lord, there's many sitting here today that have children that are in other cities that need the connection back to the cross and father they need people in their lives so lord i just want to pray this morning for each one of them and father for the parents to just be encouraged that that you can answer the prayer and draw them back to you so we just pray for them right now in jesus name we ask that by your power of your holy spirit that you draw those children back so that they could have that sweet fellowship with you and with other christians place the people in their lives that they need in jesus name amen yeah it's uh such a such a <laughs> you know it should be a normal thing right but it's a lovely story that you have someone who whose heart's been moved that they need to be connecting people and this morning i just wanted to talk a little bit about our heart to actually go for god the funny thing is this, is that we often are looking for God to move while he's looking for us to move. It's like nothing really happens in this world without people doing the will of God. And, and this isn't a message of like, you need to do what God says. This is a message of what an amazing privilege to be invited into the work of Christ. You know, we're called co-laborers with Christ. That, that's not that we're just, you know, outworking for God but we're co-laboring with him, that, that we are co-laborers of Christ. In other words, that the mission that Christ gave us, you know, to go into all the world continues today. And, and the only way God goes out in this world really is through people. We could say, yeah, but it's by his might, by its power, by his spirit. But even that amazing verse in the Old Testament that says it's not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, it then goes on to say, by the hands of Zerubbabel will I accomplish these things. That God's spirit is looking for people that are ready to go and do his will. And, and the, the thing that I was really, I guess that was impressed on me, and we had to look through a passage in Isaiah and then a story of one of the stories of Philip in the New Testament where ears just were open to hear what God was saying because you'll be, you might be sitting here today and thinking, well, um, I want to be used by God. Uh, are your ears open to be used by God? And as I reflected on that over the week, because obviously I'm preparing for today, so the reflection comes to me is, are my ears open at the moment? 
Am I in a place where I'm hearing God very clearly, where I'm just listening to what his spirit says and following through with it and somehow being like Colin was the answer to a parent's prayer somewhere? And, and I guess that, that was the, the weight of it, but also the joy of it that I think about it is that are you, are you the answer to someone's prayer? Are you the person that God wants to send at the request of someone else? Another Christian somewhere praying, you know, like I'm sure Josiah's parents were down wherever, <laughs> where do they come from, Josiah, I don't know, that other place down south. They're probably praying, oh God, can you please let Josiah fall into a church that's really nice, that's welcoming, that's loving, that grows him so that he can become this amazing Christian because we want our son to go to heaven and, you know, and, and at the same time, God's working on Colin's heart to look at that man standing there, that young man, and say, I need to go and talk to him. But it's not just coincidence and it's not just, you know, a, a happening that happens but there's this, this way that God uses people and, and I love, like I said, as, I, as we read through Isaiah that, this morning that we will see that there's the heart that, that is so willing, so ready, so supple before the Lord to say, you know, here am I, send me. And, and the heart of Philip as he's just going around his business, which was pretty good business, so Philip was, um, was one of the deacons that they uh, appointed in the church, in the early church in Acts. Read through that story in the first few chapters of Acts, you'll see. But Philip as a deacon, it's, it talked about him walking around the countryside and going into towns and big revivals happening. God's spirit moving and, and amazing things happening. And then as we go through that story, we'll see that God spoke to him in a couple of ways, but used him to answer the prayer of someone else. How often does that happen? I wonder if that's ever happened to you where you've had that, that impression on your heart because you're actually seeking God and open to his voice and willing to obey where it's like, I think you should ring that person. There's a person that's put on your heart that you're like, oh, I should make a meal for them this week or today. I should visit them. I, I should share the, the word of God with them in the office. You get this pounding in your heart. And the thing is, Colin didn't say this, but I know that he said he's not very good at approaching people naturally. It's not his gifting. He said, I'm not out there. I'm not that person. But he said, I know what God wants me to do. And sometimes it's really hard. And I think that's the thing with us sometimes. We have to remember that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God. Just because your heart is pounding when God's sending you to talk to someone, it doesn't mean it's not God. We somehow romanticise in our, our head, I guess, that when the Spirit of God speaks to us, for some reason I'm just all in it. You know, I'm there, I'm ready, and whatever he asks me to do, I'm going without this heart that's beating fast and I'm really doing well. And I know from experience that's what's happened to me. I'm, I'm, I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll tell it again that, you know, one day I was at Macca's, saw a lady, and I was like, mm, I think 
she's pregnant and God wants me to pray for her. Well, she didn't look like she's pregnant. So I um, thought to myself, no, nah, I really feel like this is God, you know, and it's like, have you ever been in a situation like that where I'm like, that would be really weird, really strange and really hard to do, to go up to someone like that because you look like a fool if you're wrong, right? And guess what? Sometimes you are wrong. But anyway, in this case, I did as any good obedient Christian would do, grabbed my car keys and drove away. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to do it anyway. When it's of God and I, I feel like God's leading me, I'm always like, Ugh. Sorry, no, I'm always like, awesome, I'm going back. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, I need to go back and talk to that lady. So I drove back and I, and I went up to her and I said, look, I know this sounds really crazy and stuff, but are you pregnant? And she goes, oh, yeah, I am. She said, I had such a trouble with my last pregnancy. I lost my baby. There's this disease or something that I have and blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, we got talking and, and it was like, hey, we talked a little bit about God. You believe in God, etc., etc. And I prayed for her, for that baby, that it would be safe and get carried to full term. I don't know the answer, the outcome. I'm presuming because God sent me that that baby was born healthy and alive and well. But it's not always easy. But you could very well be the answer to someone's prayer today. And that is an amazing privilege and a great joy to enter into. I just want to show you a couple of pictures, first of all. Joe couldn't make it today, unfortunately. She uh, had an appointment. This is Joe up on a zip line in Canada. Pretty cool. Next one. This is me. <laughs> Joe's obviously more in control than I am. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> Why am I showing you these, these photos? That trip was awesome. You know, we, we went to, it was actually at Whistler in Canada, and we'd, we'd gone up and they had these zip lines and there was, you know, the very, very fastest, which was cool. So I was like, let's go on that one, Joe. And she's going, no. <laughs> let's go on the one that's just a bit less. This one was still really, really fast and you did, you know, seven or eight zip lines down the mountain. It was amazing. And there was a whole group of us and we were all at different levels of where we felt comfortable. Like, I've been uh, doing tree lopping for years and riding on cranes and hooks and harnesses and stuff. So for me, it was just like, awesome. I understand the safety of this, that, you know, we're double connected and, you know, they've checked the harnesses and they hold the weight. So I'm really, you know, don't care. Joe's a bit timid. And then there's another lady on there where it was like the instructor always had to say, come on, you can do this. And every time you'd be waiting there and... If you're anything like me, when people can't do something and you just want to get going, you get really fr frustrated. <laughs> but you have to go, yeah, come on, you can do it. In the, in the top, you're just like, one go, there you go. It's okay. <laughs> but in reality, that person there is, is looking, can I trust what's happening? Can I trust the instructor? Can I step out? Can I zip down this line and get to the other end and be safe without falling off? And I think we need to build up that trust in God that, that he does speak to us and that we can listen to him and we can get to a place where, where we become these people that are really connected into what the Spirit of God is saying 
And I have to say throughout my life, there's been times when I, I seem to have been, well, honestly, seeking God more. And all of a sudden it's like God's talking. There's been times when I've sort of like just been not seeking him so much. And his voice seems a lot more distant, a lot more quiet. And, and there's no difference between God. Like, he always wants to speak to us. You know, he, he's spoken to us from the beginning. That's what he loves to do. And so he speaks to us, but it's really about are we putting ourselves in a place to listen? Have I made room in my life to hear God? Because the thing is that the more time you make to hear God, sometimes you'll be doing something totally different like you're not actually in there worshipping and praising God or praying to him. You're driving the car somewhere. You're, you're walking through the shop. But his voice becomes very clear and it's like, I can hear what you're saying, God. And you're not actually in that moment of dedicated, concentrated, you know, praise and worship to him and prayer and listening and seeking. You're just walking through the shop. You're sitting in McDonald's and you hear the voice of God. I want to read about Isaiah who, who had this amazing vision of God and then at the end his amazing response to what God wanted. So reading from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. Now we've got Spanish because I've got a couple of Spanish speaking people in here that I want to put up for. There you go. <laughs> It was in the year, one verse one day, yes. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over, I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a message to this people who will go for us? I said, Here am I. Send me. I just love it. That heart of Isaiah as, as he answers God. Now, the king talked about in here, King Uzziah, he died. He was a really good king of Israel right up until the end when he started to be full of pride and he ended up dying in shame. But most of his life he had served God and, and this was sort of like the end of it and, and, the, and the, the country had got into a bit of a mess and God needed someone to go and talk with these people. How was God going to do it? He could have done it any way he wanted. I suppose he could have really made robots or you know, sent angels to come down. But God was looking for someone with a heart that was ready to connect with the purpose of God. And the vision that Isaiah had was really important in how he saw God because as you go through that vision, we know that 
that as he's looking at this picture of God, the picture of heaven where, where God's sitting on the throne, in fact, I don't know if there's any room in the throne room because it, it says, you know, like that basically, you know, the, the robe filled the temple, sort of like a really long train of, I guess you could think of someone getting married, but it was like, that's, you know, the longer the train, the more important they are. God was holy and he was sitting before him. The angels were worshipping him. And somehow Isaiah got this little, I guess, fire in his, in his heart. I need to be part of this. The seraphim, they were often called the angels of flame. And he must have been looking on and going, wow, I wonder if, if maybe God could light a fire in me. But he looked at his own condition of his heart and as, and as it says in there, he said he was undone. This was an important point in Isaiah's journey to become the messenger for God, that he looked upon God, saw the goodness of God, understood his own sin, he was convicted of his sin, but then he was cleansed from his guilt. That coal came and touched his lips because he said, look, I'm, I've got dirty lips. The people around me have all got dirty lips. How can I possibly measure up to what you want, God? But then it was as though, like us, with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, cleansing us from all sin and making us this vessel ready for use by God. There is certainly our part to play in that, that, you know, the Bible talks about for us to make sure that we are ready for God's use, that we should clean ourselves, that we should make ourselves ready to serve him. But isn't that a strange question for God to actually ask at the end of that? So he's, he's recognised, he's, he's been convicted of his sin, but then he's been cleansed from guilt, then he's ready to serve. But, but isn't that a strange question for God to ask, oh, who am I going to send? Because God knows everything, right? But he's waiting for ready hearts to be revealed, for them to reveal themselves. It's almost strange that God would ask for volunteers, for people that are ready to take up the cause of of, of what he had for that nation now and for us today, the cause of God in this world to bring reconciliation, to bring people back to God and back to each other, to be, to be that sort of person. But it's not going to come if we don't make ourselves ready and available to enter firstly into his presence because this is where the change happened with Isaiah. The, the, the change happened because he was in God's presence and he recognised God's glory, his own sinfulness, but then he knew he was cleansed by God. And for those of us who, who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, we know what a blessing that is. We know that, that we were in this life of sin, but God forgave us and we have been cleansed. But it's in his presence that our heart is changed. And it wasn't like Isaiah just said, oh, here I am, I'm going. He said, here I am, send me. In other words, he didn't just hear this first call of God and, you know, who, who's going to go? And he goes, yep, me, see you later. I'm off God to do your work. It was like, no, here I am, send me. 
Lead me to the places that you want me to go. Take me to the people that you want me to talk to. Let me know, God, when someone might need some help from me, when I might be the person that talks to them when they're lonely, when I might be the person that that brings them a meal when they're hungry, that I might be that person that gives them finance when they're broke, that I might be that person that gives them a phone call when they're discouraged. Are you the answer to someone's prayer? Are you the one that when someone else is praying, God, help me, God strikes your heart? His word hits your ears. And you're in that state like Isaiah was where it's like, here here I am, God. Send me. Not send someone else. Not send the church. Send me. Here I am. Are we in that place? I love the story of Philip and the eunuch, which is the story we're going to look at now. And to me, this just speaks so much of how we are to be sent. And you know what? There's people also out there seeking God that are, that are like, I need to know about God. And guess where they are? They're not usually walking through the front doors of a church until they're in a desperate situation where they're just, there's nowhere else to go, but they're in your workplace. They're in your school. They're living next door to you. <clears throat> and to have our ears open, ready to respond to God's call to share the message of life with them is so important. You see, you might very well be the answer to their prayer. They're saying, God, if you're real, show me that you're real and, and you're here on your heart, you're sitting there in your workplace, you're looking at that person, you're going, I just really need to go and talk to them. I don't know how, I, I, I know that. I actually feel the, the impression that it's God wanting me to talk to them about God. Oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? I don't know, but whatever way you do it will be imperfect, no doubt. I've messed it up so many times, but still got worked, crazily. But the boldness that you have isn't always realised in the way you feel. It's not. There's very few occasions where I've just felt, well, I'm not that worried about it anymore, to be honest. I can just do it, but... As I'm growing as a Christian, the very first time I talked to someone about God wasn't really easy. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, I was just like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to evangelize the world. And off I went and talked about God. Because guess what, guys? People push back on you as well. Not everyone just goes, oh, thank you for sharing Jesus with me. That's wonderful. I'm going to now become a Christian. (laughs) and you cannot even measure that success if someone rejects the word that you say because you don't know how God's going to use that down the road. I do remember another story where I was... I I drove away again, (laughs) but I came back to this guy. I saw him limping and had a bad leg, and I was like, 
oh, you want me to pray for him. But I also knew this, he's not going to want me to. And I was like, why are you telling me to do this, God? You're saying, go and pray for this guy with his leg and pray for his healing, but I know he's not going to want me to pray for him. I knew it. You know, I don't know if you ever felt stuff like that. So I get out the car, go up and I was like, see, he's wearing a St Kilda shirt and whatever, and I was like, oh, mate, look, I know this might sound funny, but I just really want to, I felt like God was asking me to come and pray for your leg. Ah, oh, the only saints are St Kilda. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no worries. <laughs> anyway, I prayed for him. I said, mate, look, you might not want me to pray for you now, but I just want you to know God cares about you. He wants you to be healed. He loves you. So I'm just going to pray for you anyway when I'm driving around. That was it. <laughs> God set me up big time. <laughs> but I knew it. Obedience to God does not always lead to success. If you read through the prophets, sometimes there's, you know, there's one, one prophet, Jeremiah, I think it was, that is saying, God, you tricked me. <laughs> and he told them to go to talk to people. He said, I want you to go and preach to these people. They're not going to listen. And it's like, why? Because God had to get it done and he was using people to do it. Anyway, let's get back to Philip. So it was pretty awesome. So we're going to Acts chapter 8, I think it is. Nope. Where am I? It's up there. It is eight. And we're going to start at verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candate, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning, seated on his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. What an amazing story, hey? This is a man who the Bible says was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that, that, that this was one of the things that was a prerequisite when they were selecting the deacons. Back in the start of Acts, it says, men filled with the Holy Spirit. So he obviously had a relationship with God enough that he would be able to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to him, enough that an angel could appear to him and say, Philip, go and do these things. And we find that he comes alongside this carriage where someone couldn't understand what the Bible was saying. He didn't understand about Jesus and what, what the scripture was saying. And the scripture is actually this um, which was in Isaiah, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? An Old Testament passage that was talking about Jesus. 
And God used Philip to go and to explain that to him, that this is what it means. This is all about Jesus. And what I want to put to us today is to not be deaf to what God is saying. Today you might be sitting there and thinking, yeah, but, you know, God never speaks to me. I guarantee he does speak to you. God wants to make you the answer to someone's prayer today. He wants to grab you and, and, and get you involved in his work on earth. He wants to hold your heart in his hand. He wants to direct your will in his way. He wants us working in perfect cooperation with him and we know that God needs people to carry out his plan on earth. Are you ready? Are you ready to be the answer to someone's prayer? Do you think maybe this week you might take some time to just sit in the presence of God, to take five minutes in a day to just sit and say, God, is there something you want me to do? Is there someone you want me to talk to? Is there someone I can even just pray for? Because Isaiah had been in the presence of God. He received a heart that knew its sinfulness. He had a heart that knew the need among the people around for God's word. He'd been cleansed by God's fire and he had a heart to reach the nations. Is that your cry? Like the cry of Isaiah today? Have you taken time recently to just sit before God and ask him, and come to that place where it's not, here my God, make me go. Here my God, force me to do something for you. But is there this change happening in your heart where you are actually looking for opportunity to do the will of God, to hear his voice and act on it, not on your own, on his voice, but to say, here am I, God, send me. I hope that this week you would take some time to, to just spend that time before God. I hope that I would as well, because I know that I need to press further in as well, all the time. There's never an end to it, never an end to it. Father God, I just thank you for your goodness and I pray for each one of us this morning that we would not be bystanders in your work but Lord, we would receive that call to be co-laborers with Christ to look up and see where the harvest is ripe and take the steps that you send us on. I pray an awareness amongst us, Lord Jesus, just as this family in here at least to start with, that we might 
have a heart for one another, Lord, that we would be praying for one another, that we would be looking out for one another, that we would be listening to your voice and maybe being the answer to someone's prayer this week. I just thank you for that opportunity to be part of your work. Lord, show us your goodness so that we might see the joy of your salvation because, Lord, we know that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance and we pray that that would lead us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, maybe this morning that you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I don't know. But if that's you this morning, you're like, I know I need God. In fact, you might have even come through the church doors this morning going, I'm desperate. God wants to meet that need. He wants to forgive you of your sin and restore your relationship with him. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray. Jesus died for your sin. He takes care of it. He makes you right. So I'll just pray for you. And if that's you, you pray. You talk to the friend you came with. If you came with a friend, you come and talk to me if you didn't. And we'll pray for you. If you want prayer for anything, the front is open. Um, the elders that are here can come and pray for you. And I can pray for you. Anything at all. Maybe this morning you're feeling like, I just want to hear that voice of God. I want to hear the call of God. Why don't you come forward and we'll pray that your ears are open to the Spirit. That would be really good. Okay, if it's you that needs salvation this morning, just pray with me. Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. I pray you'll forgive me of my sin today, that you would take the weight of my life upon you and set me free. Holy Spirit, come and live in me. I thank you, Father God, that you have sent the Holy Spirit to change my life from the inside out. From this day on, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Why don't we um, stand and sing and, yeah, just spend some time in his presence.